Ready? Hello, and welcome to Rhythm and Pixels, a video game music podcast. This is episode 32-1, our season premiere of, of World 32, of season 32. We're your hosts. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm not that zealous. And every, right. Every week we get together and we listen to great video games, great video game music from all consoles and all generations. We, we pick a topic and we pick some music and we listen to it and we get into it. It's just a good time to discuss good music for years and years. And to be freaking perfectly honest, it's amazing just how much more music is out there. Like, the more I think about it, the more I think, as long as we can think of topics for it, there's always going to be something to jam out to and discuss. And worst case scenario, we just say the heck with it and go, today's episode, bleep bloops. This episode is... And this one's all arpeggios. Oh, oops, all arpeggios. We still got to do that, actually. Okay, so I was listening to Retronauts, and they were talking about the music of the games that came out. Sorry, the games that came out in 1982 and 1992. And then they were talking about, like, oh, it was this European company doing these licensed games for the NES. And so, you know, the music was all, like, garbled up, like things are supposed to sound like chords and this or that. And they all started laughing. And I was like, hey, <laughs> some of us like that stuff. <laughs> That's what we're all about. <laughs> um. Yeah, so I wanted to say first, um, check out our sister podcast, XVGM Radio with Mike and Justin, mm-hmm. because on April 1st, you might hear some familiar voices, and we had a lot of fun. Just give you a heads up, though. We're a rated G podcast to some extent. Oh, yeah, we are. We, we're, we're, we're like PG, maybe. They're like PG-13. Yes, so just no going <laughs> in. You're getting some Dash 13 content there. But yeah, yeah. it's still the same happy-hearted people you've come to know. Absolutely. It's just we're in another space with other happy-hearted people. <laughs> happy-hardcore people. <laughs> God, I wish... <laughs> I wish I knew enough happy-hardcore VGM to have a topic on that. I would, oh, we can. There's a lot of happy hardcore in like 90s and VGM though. Okay, I can think of two games. No, I can think of one game. <laughs> there you go. Like it's a little tougher. Why don't you talk about games with happy hardcore? No, two games. Uh, Tempest 2000 and Robotron. X. Happy hardcore. Robotron. X. Yeah. Oh mercy. Oh, we're getting into it after the show. And <laughs> this time, this is going to be time to search, do some searching because I would be, I'd just be happy to be like happy hardcore tracks. Oh, write that down too. Write it down. Write it down. <laughs> I'm giving all the topics that are hard to do. Happy hardcore music. Finish the word. Hoppy hardcore. It's the Easter version. You're writing down your grocery list. I am. That's true. (laughs) Happy. Two quarts of hardcore. You know, apples. Okay. Also, next week, our podcast will be our live streamed show, which means that tomorrow, after this episode is released, which is a Thursday, we are recording our live live streamed podcast. So if you're a member of our Patreon check us out patreon.com slash rhythm and pixels you get access to a live stream show recorded in front of you for fun the topic is video games that have created friendships and then video games that have destroyed friendships aka friendship foundations and friendship fishers i still love that 4F! The, the, the 4F club. Yes, there it is. And everyone has to have it. If they, and, and you've if got we to have a story. If we were R-rated, it would definitely be 4Fs. <laughs> but we're not. we're not. That's what I say uh, when I actually uh, get what, on the second half of it. We're not dropping the Fs on this show. After the Fisher occurs, <laughs> that's usually when I get thrown out. Right. 
<laughs> that has literally happened before. Oh, I've been man. thrown out of a house for right, a video What are some game. games I've been frustrated playing with you? I've been so many. Okay, we played uh, Kirby don't Dream go, Don't Course. go into it yet. That's for next week. Oh, okay, That's yeah. for next week. Next week, a whole lot of anecdotes. Okay, um, this week is a, a, a tiny bit more serious as we're going to be not discussing the conflict in the Ukraine, but we're going to want to sh- we're going to want to shed some light on the the developers and composers from Ukraine. Yes, like it was actually interestingly enough, like it was suggested to us by a friend of the show, off person, and once he mentioned it, it became this question of like, I've never even put thought to this. Like, what what's available out there? And I think Rob, Rob and I were talking at the gig of the show. We'll be blunt. This was surprisingly challenging, um, <laughs> not just because it's not our usual, but also because I feel like it's almost like the information is almost secretive because a lot of Ukrainian developers are contracted out by U.S. companies mm-hmm. and um, just like, you know, like, like I guess like companies in like France or something. So essentially, they're almost like unsung game development heroes. Yeah. And then the composers, it's even more nebulous. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. So then you might have a, uh, a game development studio in the Ukraine that has maybe musicians from all over the world. And I think that that speaks to maybe like where we're at in, in game development today, where there's just like the game development world. Like your team can be a team from anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like your developers might be from this part of the world. Your composer might be, might be Chell Wong, you know, hanging out there in, in Boston town. But then you might have like graphics designers in Sweden. Yeah. Like, but like everyone's working online anyway. So it doesn't really matter. So, a traditional in-house like studio doesn't always exist Even in one like place. Games, just like that. It's oh like, yeah. As long as you can pay the person, like I mean, like what? There's been like a couple indie developers here. Like what was it, that Eudian Chronicles game? That's probably like like Sweet Coden mm-hmm. Returns. That's pretty much a company. I was like, hey, we're located here. I want to say they're even in the states. But then they got a famous Japanese composer to compose tracks just for their game because it was nostalgic. Yeah. So I was like, hey, if you're willing to, we got some coin. Do you want to give us a track <laughs> or two? Exactly. So we, we did our best um, um, for the research on the, the, the developers, the development studios, and the composers on this show. But, you know, we're not going to get it right all the time, but we were doing our best. And I, wa- I really want to make sure that at the top of the show that we encourage you to donate money and donate anything that you can to support the Ukrainian effort. Agreed. And you also, also for anybody who's listening to this and they're like, you guys didn't do enough or you couldn't find enough. What about that guy? I know this guy. Yeah. Let Send us it know. to us. We'll do a part two. Yeah. Electric boot. You know what? F. F <laughs> it. We'll do a part two. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, let us know if, if, if we're doing something. Or, or if we could be doing more. We were just talking about doing some streaming or doing some YouTube stuff. Maybe we can do, like, a uh, charity stream. That would be kind of fun. Yeah, that's not an excuse. Robin to do Purnell. A million race. I don't know what is. If you want to see Robin Purnell play games for 24 hours. That, that, maybe not 24 hours. We're old. Hey, the new studio's got a bathroom right there. That is true. <laughs> yeah. But there aren't, there aren't any hammocks here, and there's no hammock district in, in Delaware. So. <laughs> it's unfortunate. It could we really though. could use a hammock district here. I, I think the most I did was play Stepmania for four hours, but that, that was... That's a lot, though. That was, that was a lot. That was a lot. Coated in sweat, and no one's collecting it for charity. I, you can't I, donate sweat to anything. I was sore for a week. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, okay, so let, let's get uh, let's get the party started here. So um, it, it sounds like me and Pearl didn't have a whole lot of overlap, actually, which is pretty cool. 
There will be one, but considering the circumstances, I showed up expecting there to be like the same three games. Mm. So <laughs> I'm very proud of us for pulling off what we could. Right. So um, per our um, uh, tradition, the odd number episodes start with Purnell. All right. And my first track is going to come from a game that I didn't realize fit this topic, but it did. This comes from the game Darkened Sky, which originally released on the Nintendo GameCube. And this track is referencing the area of Ogmir City and Ogmir Dungeon, composed by Eugene Zukov. It's funny. <laughs> Every time, see, as as you a little behind the scenes, as you as you describe the track and as you name the track, I type it out so then I can find the track and put it in the show. It's always like. This track is Ogmir. I'm like, how does he spell Ogmir? Fugletop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like rushing on the keyboard, like trying to type it out phonetically. Um, okay, so Ogmir. Ogmir. Ogmir City slash Dungeon from the game Darkened Sky. Yes. Ogmir City and Ogmir Dungeon from the game Darkened Sky, released on the Nintendo GameCube and I believe also the PC, composed by Eugene Zukov. Now, surprisingly enough, this game, if you want to look up general details for it from where I could find, it says that it was composed, or sorry, it was designed, it was developed by Boston Animation, but it was actually outsourced to a dev team in Kiev. And the developers I didn't go through the whole list of developers because, you know, of course, there's like a whole list of you know contributors, but I did take down the programmers' names, at least. Programmers were Kirill 
Kirill Bulatsev. Yes, we're going to be doing this a lot today. Vitaly Maximov, Oleg Ovechko, Ovechko, and Eugene Parisada. So it's interesting because it goes back to what I said at the beginning of the episode. You get these developing studios that actually spent money to contract to another development studio that's not even technically associated with them. It's like, hey, hmm. we have this project. We need to have it coded, but we don't have the manpower to do it. Would you be willing to take it on? And I guess it's kind of like how like people think of how like, Nintendo was at one point when Metroid Prime became a thing. Because I don't think Retro Studios was always a part of Nintendo. Originally, it was like, hey, we want to contract this new development team who seems pretty good. Can you make us a Metroid game? We're like, sure. And then some of the later Metroid games, they did that too. I want to say outright... I think Metroid Dread was done by an external studio. I have to double check that. That would be another example. So you would just think, oh, did Nintendo made that? Like, yeah, technically they didn't. <laughs> they paid someone else to do it. Um, but they oversaw it or whatever. So this game is interesting to me in that this I don't know a ton about it, mm-hmm. but what I do know is that this is the fish this is the Skittles game. This is a game so you were you kept saying this is a Skittles game, Rob. Like you eat Skittles for magic, and I was like, okay, like you eat like small like green and red things. But no, you, no literal literal Skittles. Literal Skittles, like like actual trademark Skittles. Like so, taste the rainbow Skittles. I actually had this weird mobile where I was like in the shower yesterday, I was like, just like the confectioner leads enemies to eat. Dead. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's basically like, you know, like, taste like taste the rainbow. Like, of destruction. Like, instead of symphony of destruction, it's like, oh, taste the rainbow oh, of destruction. Oh, oh. I, I, it's hard when I got, like, two songs going on at the same oh, time. of course. But, like, yeah, yeah. My, I don't know why my brain took taste the rainbow slapped on of destruction because you're using <laughs> magic nests brought to you by Skittles Co. <laughs> and it was like that just they kind of married themselves together to me. Oh man. But like originally to my recollection of this game, they were originally contracted to make this game with the intent being that it would be tied in with Skittles Co. or with Mars Candy. Oh. But then like later on they were like, We don't want to do that anymore, but they were like, Well, we can't take it out now. The the entire game is based around getting new Skittle powers. <laughs> so <laughs> they had to keep it in there. So it's Basically, you tasting the rainbow for new powers, and I like that idea so much. It's like someone took um, a boy in his blob and said, you know, we can do that with trademark privileges. It was Jelly Belly. So a boy in his blob was Jelly Belly. Yeah, yeah, you'd be into that. I would be all about it. You showed up today, and we were like, like, hey, man, we got got Peeps. So what, what, what would be the equivalent for Peeps? What, what if we got, like, Mario Kart, but instead of, like, picking up mushrooms, peeps. Peeps were, like, peep the powers. peep power. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you eat the peep. <laughs> like, blue peep would be for extra speed, and red peep would be fire powers. I would do that. I said, no, sorry, yellow peeps would be for speed. Blue peeps would be for water slides, water slicks. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do all kinds of cool stuff with it. And the best thing about it is, like, when it comes to racing games, they're, like, the easiest, like, you know, intellectual property to meld into a game genre. Yeah. Anything can be made into a racer. Anything. And if you don't believe me, give me a topic. I'll make it a racing game. I can do it. That's <laughs> how I feel about this stuff. But it's... I like that. Peep, peep racing. Peep, peep racing. Peeps racing, which would be so easy because it would just be color swaps of the same peep over and over. <laughs> <laughs> well, at this point, they'd have to go a little bit deeper. They'd have. They'd probably come up with... New like, characters specifically built around the Peeps property, mm-hmm. but they would be dressed like Peeps. <laughs> so 
the, the trademark happy girl, happy boy. You know, you have the old gruff character who's like, I've been racing in peep cars for years. I'm tired of it. Um, you get the new person who's extremely excited. You get the evil Peeps Meister. Peep Meister. Peep Meister. Oh, that's great. Creep Peep Meister. That's his name. That's the villain of Peeps Racing. Creep Peep Meister. Fellow Pete Meister. <laughs> All right, uh, moving on. We're going to listen to um, some music from the, the Ukrainian company Beat Shapers. And we're going to listen to some music composed by Maniacs of Noise, which I believe is a um, Finnish studio or, or, or Swedish. I think they're Swedish. Benito. So they've been around a long, long time. They're like one of the very first, if not the first, game music studios for video games specifically. This is founded by Jerome Intel and Charles Deaton for the game Break Quest. And we're going to listen to the track, Acid Chicken in Space. Well, I'm sold. Yes. I, know. <laughs> I picked that one just for you. <laughs> from the game Break Quest Extra Evolution for the PlayStation Portable and PlayStation Vita that was developed and published by Beat Shapers from the Ukraine. And that track was Acid Chicken in Space, composed by... <laughs> What's that? I just I love that name. <laughs> it was composed by the Maniacs of Noise. Um, I should say, just, just to you know, cover our bases here, that the, uh, the original game... Excuse me, the original game Break Quest was from a Spanish developer. And then this what they then they published it and then they developed their own sequel for the for the PSP and Vita. Oh 
Okay. Um, so Break Quest is kind of a breakout clone. So it's a break break blockum game where you're kind of a paddle on the bottom and you're pushing the you're popping things. But it's like it's like a modern. You know how like um like not modern but like uh, more modern like physics based games have like things that fall down and stuff like that. It's kind of like that. So it doesn't look really basic like Breakout. It looks more like flowers and things in space and stuff like that. Oh, cool! And the whole the whole story of the game is really bizarre. Where it's in this crazy future where the media has like fried everybody's minds and and humanity has is about to just fall apart and kill itself. And what you're doing is you're trying to break into the sky to to put up transmitters to essentially reboot humanity. I like the sound of that. I think it's funny that you're doesn't, trying to doesn't look like you're that. trying to put up transmitters by destroying things. Like, yeah, exactly. You're destroying you're destroying everything. Right. It looks really pretty. It's a really cute style game. It's again, it's on the PSP and the Vita, and the music is cool. I mean, Maniacs of Noise is awesome. Super cool. I think it's, I'm in this weird trance now where, like, again, I'm coming up with, like, I'm, like, hearing these names. I'm, like, it's clearly, t- there's an associated metal song that can go with this. Like, aesthetics of hate, but it's the Maniacs Noise! <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm, on a, I'm in a metal mood today, and I can't explain why. It's just weird, weird thing. But yeah. at the end of the day, though, it sounds awesome. I yeah. like this. I love the name of the track. That's the... Probably the best part of it is just the freaking. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, I love this track, Acid Chicken in Space. A which, game with a track called Acid Chicken in Space has a bizarre plot. You don't say. So we, we were talking about doing a Happy Hardcore episode. That sounds like a Happy Hardcore song, Acid Chicken in Space. Well, the sound, the sound doesn't, but the title definitely yeah, yeah, does. The sound, the sound is definitely more, probably more something I would listen to normally. I miss, um, I miss, I miss Happy Hardcore. <laughs> then again, it's a weird genre in of itself. I remember, remember. That was like that one period where I was trying to experiment with music. So I went to the music store and bought like a bunch of different albums. And one of them was like Happy to Be Hardcore. Yeah. And I want that. you put the CD in and the music was great. There was one problem though. Though it might not be a problem depending on who's listening. And that is that you couldn't tell the songs apart. Like they just kind of kept going forever. There were transitions and the like. But... I honestly was at a so point. Was it, was it were like was it like a mix? Was it mixed together, or was it like every song just stopped and then the next one started? And you're like, it sounded like the last one. Yeah, there, there wasn't even a stop. I guess you could call it like a mix because the right. track would play, and then when that one track ended, it immediately bled into the next one. It was like, oh, they had like, like they had like a natural transition. Yeah, DJ mix. Yeah, yeah, it was okay. awesome. But I was like, wow, they all sound the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that happens a lot with house music <laughs> for me. Anyway, I'm like. Wow, all these songs kind of sound the same or a little different, but having a DJ mix is awesome, especially for like me, like for when I'm running. Mm-hmm. I like having a mix of like 60 minutes or like 80 minutes or 90 minutes of just non-stop music. Oh, then you would love this album. Like that's someone's reach out, reach out to me. I want to find it because that's what we do now in, in Step Mania and DDR with stamina music, stamina charts. Is that we'll we'll make step charts for like 60 minute, 90 minute long mixes. You always just rip the CD. <laughs> that's what I would do. <laughs> It's 100% what I would do. So if you still have it, I'd love to listen oh, to I it. I still have all my old albums. I have yeah. every disc I have. I have the original DJ Zero. Oh. I'm a DJ. Check out my tunes. Wow. I'm fresh out of work. That's probably worth something. <laughs> that's why I have all that old. That's I just that got stuff. laid off my job. This is all I'm doing now. <laughs> I'm talking about myself. That's you know, the actual album, by the way. 30 years ago. Not 30 years ago. It feels 20, like it was 20 years yeah. ago. 20 years ago, I had DJ Zero's Mixed 20, Beats. I guess it was 20, but more than 20. It was, it was 20 years. It was 20 years, 
and it's DJ Zero's Hot Beat Mix. Oh man! And I was like, "Whoa, this is good music, Rob. We should keep going." Well, you know, like I did. I did. I did Rob was like, I, "Nah, cybersecurity, baby." Did what I, <laughs> yeah, I did what I could. I did what I could. I do. I had. I'm still having fun with it. I have my old CDs. I found them all. That's really all that matters, though. Yeah. As long as you're enjoying it, like it doesn't have to be a quote-unquote career move. Yes, it just has to be something you enjoy doing. I think. I think. I think that's a good. Something good people need to think about also. Like keep keep in mind, like just because you love something doesn't mean you have to make it a career. You and mean, remember point one point five. Do what you love. Okay, speaking of doing what you love, we're gonna get into a new track here and Purnell is gonna have another little section that we like to call the board game beats. Board game beats. Beep, beep, beep. <laughs> so Purnell, what do you got for us? What do you got for us today, Purnell? <laughs> well, son, <laughs> I happen to have this really nifty little time. Let me stop. Um I happen to have this pretty cool game called City Builder Ancient World. It was published by Inside Up Games. Designed by Andre Philippe and illustrated by Andrew Dorland. And it's a game that I was one of the games that I was able to get back at PAX Unplugged a couple months ago. And I was finally able to get a down chance to sit down and play around with it a bit. And I actually came away really enjoying it. Oh. Um, so I'm going to give like a, the gist of it because I can't go through the whole nit and gritty of this. But it's enough to tell you this is why Pernod thinks this game is really cool. Um, the idea behind this game best way to start thinking about it from the beginning is like it's like Carcassonne in the sense of laying tiles down mm-hmm. on the board. Because he's, he's got the box out too on, on the desk here. I'm checking it out. There's like a bunch of different city tiles that can be linked together and the city tiles themselves are laid out to contain buildings and also rows that divide the actual buildings I'm going to make a mess. Yeah. So oh, okay. what ends up happening is on your turn oh before I get to that there's a competitive version and a cooperative version because every game that Inside Up Games does that's their shtick. Mm. Every game has to have a competitive and a cooperative room. And I mainly focus on the competitive because I'm a competitive guy. It's what I do. Um, the idea behind this game is like on your turn, you're trying to lay down these different tiles to build city districts that form specific shapes and contain specific colored buildings. Oh, cool. Because in addition to the tiles themselves, you're trying to set yourself up to lay down like city buildings. Um, like... There's like small residences and large city buildings. Now, it's weird because unlike a lot of other games where you're just like, okay, if I get this combination of colors, I'm allowed to build this building. In this game, there's actually a board, sometimes two boards, actually it's always two boards, that are between you and your opponent. And they meet in the middle. So on (laughs) one side, like you'll randomly pull out different colored buildings Mm -hmm. and you'll fill the board with those colored buildings. Hmm. And in turn, that's going to determine what buildings you're trying to get onto your city to score points. Oh. But you're racing as well to get as far up the track on any of those lines before your opponents can because once there's only one building between the two of you in a column, building on that track stops, which means that's points that you could have lost if the other person did it faster than you. They're getting all the points that you can't get. Oh, okay. I really, really like that. So, like, you're, you're kind of playing individual carcassons, but, like, it's eventually leaked up to each other, so you don't end up with this huge, massive map. Oh, you're, no, 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 no. The map is separate. It's yeah. the tracks that you take the buildings off of that populates your city. That's a shared track that you're oh, racing to okay, complete. Okay, okay, okay. So, it's really cool in that... You're sitting here looking at it, and you like got to determine, okay, based on the city tiles that I'm pulling out of this, out of the stacks, because you have a set of like five tiles you can choose from when you place a turn. Um, you're sitting there racing, trying to determine, okay, based on my available tiles and the buildings I need to be trying to build, and how far along my opponent has gotten, what is the most logical play? 
Now, in addition to placing those buildings, there's also one other type of object you can place, and they are landmarks. If you build a city district that is in the shape of a, a specific sized rectangle, you can take a landmark tile and place it down as long as you fulfill the condition of buildings that surround that square or that rectangle. So you might get a landmark that then says gain three victory points per district in your city that has three or more settler buildings in it. So you're getting point modifiers in the form of landmarks to further populate your city. And it's kind of cool because it's not like Carcassonne in the sense that you have a communal shared board. But it is like Carcassonne in the sense that you're trying to build a city in a way that best suits what you're trying to accomplish. While also trying to outpace what your opponent is trying to accomplish. And I like the fact that if you're playing with more than two players, you're competing on two different boards with two different players. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be playing with Rob and Christy, and I'm looking at Christy's board like, okay, well, she's moving pretty fast. But based on the color of the tiles that are coming out, I can actually catch up to her before worrying about dealing with Rob's tiles or vice versa. Mm -hmm. And you're trying to play to your opponent's based on what tiles are available to you to use. It's very engaging. And then the competitive side, or the cooperative side, is a little different in that you're trying to get out a set number of landmark tiles to win the game, but you're racing against time because buildings and people are still, are moving into the city, and you can't let the flow of buildings over cat, or basically overtake you know, the board that's taking them in. So if you don't keep building buildings you're going to lose the game. Hmm. So you're basically racing to lay down cooperatively because you each are working on your own cities. But it's like, okay, Rob's structure has... He's in a position where he could totally get this green structure. So I can help him with that by doing this and make get the tile available to him so he can use that tile. And then I'll take this tile, which is better for me, to get the orange you know, landmark. So you're working together to build out in a way that you can get these landmarks out before your town becomes overrun with people trying to move in. Oh, okay. And then end game is what, when all the buildings are laid out, or is there like a? And, no, that's the part I don't already remember. Oh, and so all the tiles are used. And there's like cool. honestly, it's like it's like three stacks of them, and they. Okay. You do See, I always, I always like, that. I always look for like when the game end is because sometimes at the game, game is end after four rounds, no matter what, and so like every round counts or. Game ends when all all of like the res like all of one resource is used up because then you're paying attention to be like okay maybe I can run it out faster mm -hmm. if I know I'm gonna win and that has happened in this I game I love that stuff I, I love like like not my score one is high I can't give this person a chance yeah, to catch yeah. up to me I gotta wrap it up now not, like not one specific way game ends I just love the way that games kind of use that mechanic mm -hmm. as a way to like change things in a game it's just it's always fun for like exciting I think and this game definitely has a little bit of that going on for it too it's like it's this is a game that I would not have thought about wanting back when I saw it because the name is very dry. It's literally called City Builder Ancient World. It is. It is. But the art, like artwork it. is really cool. It's not like cute. It's like it's very like American, like 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 early, not early American, like a '90s American comic book style. Yes, yeah, it is extremely is, colorful. Which is nice. Pops. Very. Yeah. Very. Yeah. Very much. And let pops. me do this real quick because you know, you haven't seen them. The the buildings look like. Oh, let me like, see the buildings. Yeah. Like when you're laying all the buildings out on the table to populate your actual city. You have this very colorful display that pops on your table. So it feels good to have your city going, I have the green district, oh. I have the orange district, I have all these different things set up here, and I have my landmarks right here because even though the description of what the tile oh. does is on the back, the other side of it actually has like a cool statue or a water fountain. I like it. And they aren't... Um 
they aren't wooden and they're not plastic. They're like that hard um, 3D printed plastic. Mm-hmm. And they're la- and I believe they're laser cut. Yeah. It's like they have like these really small details, like a small gap between the building and the pillar that stands outside of it to, yeah, to yeah. Like I think, a porch I think, or I think they were 3D printed and then like kind of cut afterwards. So, so yeah, really nice components. Like really, this, really cool. Yes. Like I, I wholeheartedly can recommend this game. I love the fact that Inside Up Games has that notion of wanting to make all their games have a competitive and a cooperative mode. And generally, every Inside Up game I've played so far... Both of them work. Like, no version, none of the modes ever feel like it was like an afterthought just to stand up to maintain that trend, right? It's just this game is still fun. Yeah. And it depends on whatever crowd you're working with. You don't want to get competitive tonight, but you want to actually have a fun hangout mm-hmm. session, do cooperative mode. Um, yeah, I have to say, like, I really, I do really love um, uh, Wingspan, but I feel like there's like a single player mode, and it's just like, Play the game by yourself, and I'm like, yeah, I guess you could do that, but you know, but with a game that's like, oh, it definitely has like a cooperative, definitely has like a single player mode that's all like built in. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that was, it's more thought out. It's, it's, a, I appreciate hearing that because it means that it's not just like the same thing again and again. And but again. it's like the same thing, but alone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, oh, oh, what was it? they did that with? Was it Seven Wonders two player? Oh, two? Seven Wonders Duel? No, 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 no. Seven Wonders, the base game. Oh, the base game. If you play a two-player, what you end up doing is you create like a third player that, that both players control, which in theory sounds like you can have like a third, like like two players are kind of like pushing and pulling like a fake third player, but in practice, it doesn't really play out the way you'd expect it You know to. what it makes me think of? The days where you would play Monopoly on the Super Nintendo with the computer player just to shyster them out of their money when you get a property they want. Totally. Like, yeah. it's not... Yeah. Engaging. Yeah, it, it becomes like another resource. But um, okay, City Builder. We're gonna have links to this on the website, rhythmandpixels.com, for the episode. Um, hopefully, we'll find a link to like a like a playthrough or a uh, like a tutorial how to play, so you can actually see the game. Because um, the last one you talked about, the Night Cage, we played like five times since then. It's so good. Actually, I, we brought my nephews over. One of them, who's is like like eleven, mm-hmm. he loved it. <laughs> yeah, I was amazed how he much he took so to it. Into it. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, something works when you have this kid who goes from being like, I need something digital that's moving on the screen, <laughs> yeah, to suddenly right. being like, Okay, guys, here's the plan I've come up with. I feel as though you could do this. You got to read them and like, Hey, 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 hey. I can make my own decisions, kid. Yeah, but yeah. But let's collaborate. <laughs> but granted, I mean, they've been playing board games like their whole life. So, what's the game? Uh, Evolution. Have you seen Evolution? Mm-hmm. Like that's like one of their favorite games. Really? Like, there's a lot going on. I should in bring game. over Climate sometime. Oh, I've never played it, but I'm sure it'd be easy to learn if they already know how to play Evolution. All right. All right. So that is um, City Builders Ancient World. Yes. Highly recommended by the Rhythm and Pixels team. It's a good game. Give it a shot and stick around for more inside up games. 100%. All worth your time. All right. Okay. For now, we are on to your uh, second track. I know you got like a lot of board game components in front of you right now. Oh, yeah. But on the positive, the music has to play at some point, so I'll put it all away at that point. All right. So this track comes from the game Unbound Saga, which released on the Xbox Live Arcade back in like 2009 or so. I actually remember when this game came out because huh. um, I almost bought it. But this was during that period of like Pernell, stop being a curmudgeon or more so start being a curmudgeon with your game spendings temporarily. Uh, so so but, this, this was like the, the very rare like kind of lull in purchasing. Exactly right. Interesting. Exactly. This track is called Body Parts and is composed by Jason Novak, Dan Brill, and Sean Payne. 
back you're listening to body parts from the game unbound saga composed by jason novak dan brill and sean payne now this is one of those cases where i don't know the name of the developers not developers, but the actual programmers per se but i do know that this game was created by the ukrainian development team 
or at least a Ukrainian development team that was contracted through Vogster Entertainment. Okay. So I saw I saw Crack Nation. Yeah, it was like those people that I named are pretty much, I believe, components of that. Of that group. Yeah. Okay. But like, it's a it's an interesting game in that it's meant when it, by design it was meant to kind of work similar to how like Comic Zone on the Gen Sega Genesis was, where characters are playing in a comic book world, mm-hmm. jumping from panel to panel. Yeah, which looks really cool. I, I do like that. I love that kind yeah, of yeah. style. And this game. The narrative is a sense where, like, the characters are actually aware of the fact that they're in a comic book, and they're trying to locate and find the quote-unquote the maker in order to find a way to get out of the comic book world because they're tired of being in there. <laughs> and it's an interesting concept or interesting premise. So the beat 'em up, of course, is not it's, it's 2D, but it's got you know you can move in into the foreground and in the, in the background and basic combos and beat but you earn skill tokens as you defeat enemies, which allows you to expand your move repertoire. And honestly, it's pretty cool. And the music that comes along with it is legit. I love this OST. It's it's, it's pretty heavy. heavy. Yeah, it's heavy. It's it's like, this is Doom heavy. Yes. It's very Mitch Gordon heavy. And I know a lot yeah. of people might be hearing this and going, I don't know how I feel about that in the beat-em-up. And my take is, to be perfectly honest with you... beat-em-up. I think this is good. Yes. Yeah. If it's a, it's a beat-em-up that's heavy on the aggression. And which generally, I can't think of too many beat em ups that aren't. Yeah, um, yeah. You, there's not a lot of silly beat em ups. Not a lot of defense happening in beat em ups. Oh, yeah. yeah like, totally. if you're, you're out there to take the streets back. That's right. Um, so, in those scenarios, heavy music is kind of where it's at. Like, because even though the, ble- the odd part, like, for example, this is going to be blasphemy 101, I can tell you that right now. For as much as I adore the Streets of Rage 2 OST, some parts of me, I'm like, it feels more fitting when I'm walking the streets, not so much when I'm beating the crap out of guys. But at the end of the day, the music is so good, you don't care. It's yeah. just really good. But, yeah, when I'm beating guys, if I want fast music, I want hectic music, I want to feel like I got to evade, dodge, oh, bow, totally, backdrops, totally. crowd control. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, beat em ups are all, all about crowd control, aren't they? I was watching a playthrough of Final Fight today. I don't know why, but I was eating lunch, and I was like, Final Fight, and I just clicked on it on YouTube. It's like... It's a good game to go back to, but it's um, but yeah, definitely like it's all about figuring out where all the enemies are going to be, kind of crowding them together, or making sure they're you know where they are, mm-hmm. so you don't get cornered or you don't get sur- mainly you don't get surrounded. And that's why, like, I look back on it, like when I played the original Final Fight on the Super Nintendo, I didn't do much with it in the arcade because I wasn't spending that kind of money. Oh, oh that's not a lot. that it was bad. No, no, it's just, it's just a quarter much. It was designed to do that. Yeah. Um, but when I got to play on Super Nintendo, I remember my heavy spots of getting stuck were. Saddam or Sodom, which right. was basically Katana on the Super Nintendo. Yeah. Um, EDE, who was the cop, and I only beat him because I learned how to cheese him. Otherwise, he was brutal to me. And of course, before him was also the Andor brothers in the wrestling ring. Right. But then, lastly, and the most noted one is the bathroom on the Stage Four Bay Area, where all the different slashes and axles. Note those names, by the way. Um, <laughs> slash and axle. They would just kind of come in there and just surround you, and they had this guard that they would put up. So it was, like, it was hard to get them in crowd control because you're trying to beat them up, and they're blocking your hits. And while one's blocking, two are coming up behind you and just yeah. beating your behind. It's like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. I hate the and, bathroom. And you, and you have like you don't have a lot of options in terms of, of offense even. You have like one attack button. So it's like you can't exactly like, okay, I'll attack this way. Then maybe I'll use a roundhouse kick behind me. Like there's, there's nothing. It's just like you can attack or you can use up your health 
to do a special move, which was designed just again to take your money. Mm-hmm. So uh, gets you out of a right spot, but it's going to cost you health yeah. anyway. So whoops. Well, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna change this tone a little bit. We're gonna go on to a game development studio called Vostok Games, and they created a um, kind of a player versus player first person shooter called Suvarium, which came out I think in 2020. It's composed by Vladimir Savin. And we're going to listen to the assault theme or the the boar assault theme from the game Suvarium. Pernell, can't you hear the drums? You will. Can you hear the drums, Pernell? A little bit. The drums of Suvarium. Oh, those drums! Oh yeah, yeah. I, can, I heard them. They so. won't. They won't get out of my head. <laughs> this is the boar assault theme from Suvarium, composed by Vladimir Savin. This is from the Ukrainian development studio Vostok Games. It's pretty, uh, pretty dark, pretty gritty. Yeah. It is kind of like in the same style of the last track. I thought I, for some reason I thought I picked something a little more. It is a bit, a little bit more atmospheric. But then the guitar comes in, and I'm like, oh, okay, I got you, I got you. I got there's you. the drum. There's the guitars. There's the, there's the, there's the, go, 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 go. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I don't think I'm gonna play a first-person shooter again. You know what I mean? Ever? No, maybe not. Maybe not. I mean, not, not, not a, uh, not a multiplayer one. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm actually in a situation where I have trouble. Just if it's a massive multiplayer game, I have a hard time even being like, I want to try this. Like I had, I got asked to play this one recently. It's about like dragons dogfighting, mm-hmm. which any other any other world, I think that's a cool idea. Dragons dogfighting and evasion on dragon backs, like flying through castle walls and stuff. That sounds awesome. But then it was like, it's a massive multiplayer combat game. No, I'm not interested. Like I, mean, my, I went from yeah, I went from the side to tap it just like that. I think it's our maybe it's our age or, or what, but I feel like I'm not gonna. I don't know. I, I want more of an experience when it comes to that stuff. Now I'm not ruling out first-person shooters entirely, but it definitely when I'm looking for a game to play, it's turning me off. 
Well, the thing about for like, sure turning me off. Maybe this is just me, but I feel like this could have even applied to me back in the day too. Being that when it comes at least the most the massive multiplayer part, there are guys, there are games that are designed to have you constantly engaged with that one game and constantly online playing with different people, getting online daily to get whatever bonuses they make available to yeah. you. And we live in an age right now. Well, there are so many games. Like, I was thinking about it today. Like, Kirby comes out tomorrow. Well, it'll have been out when this episode releases. But Kirby comes out tomorrow. Ghostwire Tokyo comes out tomorrow. A lot of different games are coming out tomorrow. And I was like, I want all those. But then I'm like, I'm still playing Elden Ring. I haven't even started Horizon. I've got, I started playing Octopath Traveler. There are too many games. Too many games that I want to experience. Do I really want to be logging into Dragon Battler every day to get the <laughs> Dragon Battle bonus and then constantly have to play that game to up my skills? I'm not saying that's a bad thing for oh, some Oh, this people. weekend you get a loot crate bonus and then maybe you get like an extra XP to get your new boots. <laughs> oh, man, boots. That'll get outclassed in the next set of boots. <laughs> it's like, it's weird because someone could be hearing me say this and go, oh, man, but that's all I play. I love those kinds of games. No, I'm not totally. knocking that. Yeah, yeah. It's just, to me... When there's so much you can access, and I'm not saying everyone can. I mean, games do cost money. I'm thankfully lucky that I get to do reviews and stuff so I can get more access than I can probably afford. But still, even if I weren't doing that, I can still at least afford enough that I would want to play this game and then try this game. Do you have any idea how hard it has been for me to actually stick with Elden Ring? Not because it's a bad game. It's a fantastic game. It's probably one of the best games I've played in a long time. Mm. It's just... I want to play other stuff. Yeah, I naturally want to play new things. So. To, yeah, I know. For you, it's hard to devote to one thing because you want to play more stuff. And for me, I'm like, I'm still playing Spirit Fair. Like that's just what I'm doing. Which I love, by the way. I come over. Yeah, you're still playing it. Like it's not like oh, I guess we'll play some Spirit Fair. No, like, we're, we're playing Spirit Fair. Yeah, we're gonna see it through. We're not playing it every night, but it's like, oh, I want to play a game. Well, you know what? This is a fun one to do. So we're just we play it. To, me and my wife play it together. Um, I, I I'm kind of stuck on the witness right now. Do you need I, a witness? Yeah, I'm like, there's a couple puzzles that it's just like, I love turning it on and being like, I can just get through a few puzzles and feel really smart. And now I'm like, okay, I'm like really stuck. So I'm like less two, SMART, more SMRT. Yeah, I'm like 250, almost 300 puzzles in, and I'm like, oh man, this is killing my brain. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to spend like an afternoon just to like kind of break through a wall. <laughs> to like figure out the next one. Is this a situation where the puzzles are required? You're at a point where the puzzles are required to progress further. Oh, they all are. Yeah, yeah, they all are. Like a lot of them are. Like you, you, you have to find them and then like they'll unlock the next one. So and it just kind of always kind of works that way. Oh, but, uh, but it's 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 tough. I'll, I'll get there. I'll get there. But as it is right now, I haven't wanted to feel that pain. <laughs> so it does hurt my brain. Um, all right, so we are on to your third track. Am I right? Mm-hmm. All and right. the interesting thing about this third track, it kind of ties into the dialogue we were just having, being that there are more games out there than I've got time, <laughs> which means I don't like focusing on one game too long unless it's something that's really engaging to me. So this is a game I actually bought back when the PlayStation 4 launched oh, wow. around that time. And while doing research for this episode, I discovered I already owned it. So I booted the game up for the first time to see how it played, to listen to the music that's in the game that I'm about to talk about, which is called Metro 2033. The track is titled Don't Forget, and is composed by Alexi Omelchuk and Georg... Georgi... You know what? You did a great job for now. Beloglasov. I'm sticking uh, with it. You lost it. No, I didn't. (laughs) Take that from me. That was good. 
Welcome back. You're listening to Don't Forget from the game Metro 2033, composed by Alexei Omolchuk and Georgi Beloglasov. Ah, much better. Much better. Uh, own it. Well, just just imagine that that first version didn't exist. Um, So this is a game that, well, it was actually completely developed in the Ukraine, pretty yes. much. Um, developer being 4A Games. Um, This is a game that, surprisingly, when I was doing the research, like I said earlier, Turns out I actually owned it already. Um, I bought it as Metro Redux. It was a re-release that was put out for the PlayStation 4 around the time the system itself launched, and I bought it because a friend recommended it to me, and I never gave it a shot, and then decided to give it a try this week. And I like it. I don't know when I'll be able to get back to it because, you know, the earlier segment where I told you the 95 gajillion games I'm playing, but I like what I've played so far. It's And I like the fact that from the very start, they pretty much lay on the table Mankind screwed the heck up, and now we're paying for it. Being that uh, nuclear war pretty much ruined their home, and now they're all all the remainders of mankind, at least in their region, are relegated to living in the metro tunnels beneath their city. It's the only safe place for them to live. And yet, in addition to just like the nuclear you know environment that was created by the blast, it also created these monsters they refer to as like the dark ones that are essentially trying to hunt and kill them. So there are people that have to go out to stop them while also searching for resources either above ground wearing gas masks or in the actual metro tunnels while dealing with these monsters. And they're losing, terribly losing. Like, even if they don't die in combat, they come back mind-broken. So it's like, it's a really very bleak, rough game. But at the same time, it's the kind of game that it makes you wish... Like some of the more megalomaniacal <laughs> politicians would get to just sit down with this kind of stuff yeah. because you have people imagining this is the kind of world. And now let's be realistic. This is a fictional variant. Like This sort of thing, we'd be lucky to be living in subway tunnels if that occurred. So it's like, this is the kind of world people are creating to say, this is what could happen if we screw ourselves over royally. Mm-hmm. So it's like... It kind of resonates with me, especially in the current times. Yeah, this this game, I, I was I watched a, a long play of this one, and it has a really, really strong anti-war message, yes. like start to finish, and so um, told in this way. And, and, and I think now more than ever, it's very important. Yes, it's like sometimes, like I mean, usually it'll come up in the form of like TV show, like or like fantasy descriptives like wouldn't it be interesting if all of our military skirmishes were dealt with using board games and chess and video games but I'll be honest with you it would be more interesting that way and I feel like if you could be like okay diplomacy has failed now we need a competition to determine what we want it's like okay well what will be the game of choice we'll base it around that <laughs> well there and, there's a classic 80s maybe 70s kind of it's a bad movie but like a bad good movie called robot jocks i think i've talked about it on the show before i know i know some people know i'm talking about it's got some it's got really really famous stop motion animation for the actual robots but it's in this future where corporations own the government Mm -hmm. so very near future and the idea is that they solve all of their disputes and wars by creating these enormous robots and they have like one champion robot and they fight each other one-on-one and that's how they resolve their disputes See, like that's the sort of thing I feel like it just would make more sense. It's like it's a genuine competition of skills mm-hmm. 
And when, if you win or lose, you accept the consequences or maybe take it back to the table or something. But ultimately, it preserves human life. It, it prevents the, the concern for uh, freaking nuclear warheads. Yeah. Um, but it's still in the realm of science fiction, pretty yeah. much, yeah. Well, the, at least the giant robots part of <laughs> the movie, but I mean, like, if it were, like, gamey related or competition related, I mean, heck, sports could even be that. But at the same time, I, I guess the one, well, it's not even a downside because you might say the downside would be that now these athletes or these gamers would have this so much weight on their shoulders, but I would think soldiers have weight on their shoulders too with the added component of I might not live through this. So, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, that, that, that's a little. It's a little weirdly dark, but but that yeah. But, but let's let's if it's Metro, if it's Metro. But well, I, I picked I picked more more music from the game Metro, so we can keep talking here. But I mixed, picked more more music from the game Metro twenty thirty three. Um, music from a different spot in the game, maybe from a uh, probably from a section where you discover music from an old age. This is called Riga. Oh, that's coincidence. That's where I got to when I cut it off. Oh, interesting. All right, for Metro twenty thirty three. Riga from Metro 2033. Purnell was very animatedly telling me all about this part of the game, oh, or at yeah. least what leads up to it, which is intense. Um, but yeah, very different style of 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 music, where the the player and the sole survivor of a horrible skirmish are uh, at a bar in the town Riga. Mm-hmm. And it's again, it's interesting because like, I mean, I know there are a lot of war games out there, like you know, like Call of Duties and all. But I feel like even with a lot of those games, they generally run them with the idea of like soul hero. You know, you're running through. We gotta liberate the town. We gotta. But with this game, it's it's more of like a contained narrative in that it it's you you're not a really a hero per se. You're just trying to get something done, and there's a lot that has to happen between point A and point B, yeah. and it's not all great. But this particular sequence occurs after what I'd consider to be like a mini tragedy with you and some of your traveling companions. But 
you and like one other person managed to survive. You make it to your destination, being the town of Riga. And you're basically just catching up at the bar in town. And it's like basically talking like, oh my God, like you survived. You're a hero to, to you, the guy with like great luck or whatever. And you're just like drinking to the fact that you didn't die this day. Yeah. And it's, it's an interesting vibe. I feel like the game itself just has very good music too to fit the scenarios that take place in the game. It's, it's, it's it is it is really I I, I think the sa- the soundtrack is very varied. It's very eclectic and diverse in its range of tone and its its style of music. And there's what, there's two three three there's three games in the series. I only know of two because the way two. I played it was in like 2014 or 15. Again, like when the PS4 launched. A game called Metro Redux came out, oh, okay. and it contained Metro 2033 and, and Metro Last, Last Light. That's what I'm saying. So I'm seeing Redux as a third game, but it's actually just a collection of the other two. Yeah, it just yeah. has those two in it and all their DLC from, I guess, when it was on 360. Yeah. But, like, it's it's a really cool concept for a game. Like, I like the idea. That, I also like the fact that there's no money in the in this world because, again, capitalism has fallen or mm-hmm. whatever. So you're actually trading high-grade bullets for things. Right, because that's what people need, right, to protect themselves from the, the monsters. Mm-hmm. Wow. A little dark. A little interesting. <laughs> but, but, yeah, check like- it out. Um, it's at 4a-games.com. Like, there, a lot of the um, the concept artwork and the game artwork is on there. It's really cool. It's a good game. Yeah, they, they put a, they, there's a lot of thought and, and care that went into this. Um, check them out. And then buy their games. Yes. You <laughs> probably, honestly, if you have a PS4, or PS5, you can probably get this for peanuts, man. Yeah, do that, do that. Just to kick, kick, you know, get get some interest and maybe kick back some money there. Why? All right, so we're gonna turn this this track down and we're gonna get into our bonus round. Boom, 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 boom. And the bonus round is where we would normally play covers and remixes and arrangements on our theme. It's a little hard when our theme is so focused. Mm-hmm. So. Um, Pernell's got a track for us. Is it another track? or Yeah, it's a track, but it's not particularly from a game, but it is by a video game composer. And that video game composer is actually not from the Ukraine. He is actually from Poland, who moved to pretty much to Los Angeles. But the reason why I opted to choose a track from this individual, and it's going to end up leading to the quote-unquote and remember at the end of the episode, is the fact that Poland is actually doing mounds of work to help the Ukrainians as they're trying to leave the country. Yeah. Apparently they've taken in 2 million refugees and they're actually feeling the brunt of the weight that comes from doing something like that. But they're still trying, which is amazing and it's a true ally to people in need. You know, basically give yeah. to support despite the fact that it's not all sunshine and farts. You're not just like, well, we're heroes. I'm toting it and beat my chest. Now I'm going to play some video games. Like, no, it's like we are giving these people a home and we're crowding our home to do so but their lives are worth it. It's just, it's an amazing thing that I feel like a lot of people take, can t- honestly take for granted. Mm. It's just this thing. So I thought that was a wonderful vibe and a good reason to choose a track from Mikolai Stroinski. God, crap apples. Mikolai Stroinski. Bam, keeping that. Um, this track is called Unappreciated Beauty and it is featuring Aurelia Shrinker.
Welcome back. You're listening to Unappreciated Beauty featuring Aurelia Shrinker, apparently from the game Sniper 3. Or Sniper Ghost Warrior 3. He's a man. Composed by Mikolai Stroinski. I I'm, I love how he's like, now that part else fumbled and flopped. Let me you get know, this right on the first try like a champ. You know what? I, I learned from other people's mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, honestly, that's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. Um... Like I said earlier, like I, the reason I chose this is because I feel as though it is amazing that Poland is doing what they're doing to support these individuals, and other countries are are doing their part as well. But I mean, to have your neighbor—I mean, honestly, because Poland ain't too far. I mean, they're they're a neighboring country. Like yeah, they're no, not no. out of the they're not out of the out of the danger zone if it comes down to it. People so. are concerned about them too. Yeah. So, yeah. so I, this, is, this is a good pick. Thank you. Yeah, and that was a cool song, too. Yeah, like, it's interesting. Like, mm. when you come from a world where you've been listening to anime theme songs for years, you don't really get the claim to be able to say, well, I would have liked it if I could have understood the lyrics. Nah, it's all sounds. And if the sound works, it's playable and listenable. And honestly, the vocalist in this is really good. Yeah, it, I, thought, I thought so, too. It's a fantastic song. Well, for more information on the bonus round, you can go to rhythmandpixels.com, where we can have links to the... Band camps and SoundClouds and everywhere you can buy the music and support the artists. I 
right, thanks for joining us on episode 32-1 of Rhythm and Pixels. This is our look at Ukrainian games, game developers, and composers. And we're ending our episode on the game Mag Runner, Dark Impulse. Um, and I believe this one was from the game development studio Frogwares. And it was composed by Sergei Lubinsky. Ha-ha! Uh-huh. Nice! Uh, nickname is uh, Knob. Oh, that's neat. So, yeah, there you go. <laughs> so from Sergei Lubinsky, uh, Mag Runner Dark Pulse. This is just Mag Runner Mix 1. There's, there's like a lot of... Um, um, uh, uh, was it atmospheric tracks that kind of overlap each other? Okay. This is kind of the more interesting of, of, of those layers. So I kind of like it. It's cool. Thought we could end on this one. I think it's a nice, solid backbeat track. Yeah. Um, so again, I want to encourage everyone listening to the show to donate money to any relief fund that you can find. We're gonna have links to that on our on our show notes as well so that we can have some just if you're thinking about it somewhere you can just quickly go in and find it and click on it. I think that'll be important to do. That's very appreciated because I know money's not particularly floating around for everybody these days, but whenever you can, you know, do. That's yeah. just generally how it goes. Absolutely. And if there's anything local in your area where people are trying to you know, uh, drum up support or or do fundraisers in your area, please take advantage of that as well. Absolutely. Because on top of everything else, there's a huge crisis, humanitarian crisis of just refugees. And we just, as you know, people from the West, so far away from it, we can just should just do everything that we can to help them. Agreed. Yeah. And honestly, trust me, it's believe it or not, like I think about this stuff a lot. Like I mentioned, I think I mentioned this back on one of the episodes, but it may have been off recording, but it's funny how this plays out in that when things first started going on, my first thought was, and I, I'm and I'm thankful I was wrong, by the way. I was like, oh, crap, I think Ulf person lives there. Yeah. And I was legitimately worried for him. Yeah. And I was like, if when you see this message, I hope your family's okay. Are you actually in that zone? And he's like, no, I'm not, thankfully. But, you know, there is concern where I'm at, too. So the concern wasn't unfounded, but just thankfully not as urgent. But that doesn't mean that other people who I don't know that are there don't also deserve that level of concern and compassion. So. Absolutely. Yeah. We um and actually uh, locally we have um, a, a Ukrainian Catholic church that's um, gathering uh, medical supplies oh, and, okay. and shipping them out there too. So I'll I'll I'll, I'll send these because I guess something from work sent that to me. I'll send that over to you because well, that's actually right down the road from you. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. Then if it's the building I'm thinking. Yeah, about. It's, it's exactly the building you're thinking about. Oh, so. wow. So, yeah, you should check that out. Um, and you can give them some help and support there. Um, so, yeah, if um, thanks for listening to the show. Um, if you like what you're hearing and you want to send us a note or if you have a track suggestion or a topic suggestion or if you think we did something wrong, we would love to hear about it still. <laughs> <laughs> but also, please tell us something we did right. But no no, no, no requirement. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, you send us an email. That's the best way to do it is an email. Rhythmandpixels at hotmail.com. And for a full track listing of this episode and all of our episodes and access to all of our episodes, because not all of our episodes are on the on the podcast feed, the best way to do that is at our website. Rhythmandpixels.com. You can check us out on youtube.com slash rhythmandpixels. We have a 24-7, 8-bit and 16-bit radio station playing nothing but deep cuts and classics. Um, it's it's running pretty smoothly right now. I'm going to have to turn it off for a day while I paint just to unplug it because the wire is going to be in the way. Ah. But trust me, it'll be back. <laughs> it's coming back. Um, it's it's like, form. And it's nice seeing a lot of viewers pop on that, a lot, a lot of chat happening there too, which is really cool. Um, you can check us out on Discord, so at our top of our website, 
rhythmandpixels.com. There's a link to our Discord, and there's a lot of chat happening there, a lot of listeners getting together, a lot of other podcasters as well. And we're talking about um, I don't know, uh, doing a special award show. The VG Emmys. The VG Emmys, which I think would be a lot of fun to do. It'll be a challenge to put yeah. together, admittedly, but it's kind of cool Might be worth to think knowing. about it. And like honestly, because like I will tell you right now, like I, I have a hard time picking up and listening to the podcast. Could lay it on the table. I only even got into the concept of podcast when you yourself were like, "Hey, Purdy, you want to do a podcast?" I was like, "Sure." What's the podcast? <laughs> um, but like now, I'm starting. <laughs> What's to try a podcast? To, <laughs> I'm trying to listen to a little bit of them here and there, more and more. Like I've been listening to uh, Rage Cages VG Emporium actually, and I've been I've been enjoying it. Like he's got a. Uh, He's got a way about how he like expresses himself. Mm. He's very energetic, and he'll have one moment where he's just like, "I'm talking about this thing very seriously." And he goes, "Wiggle, tackle, tackle," just like <laughs> making up random words or saying something in a high pitched voice. And I'm like, "That's a guy who's ready to flex his personality. I like it. I like <laughs> I don't it." Know why that got me. <laughs> Wiggle, tackle, tackle. And I'm basically going piling through some of his stuff, and I'm going to dance, dance back to check out some of Marty Riss's <laughs> podcast because I've been meaning to give like, more episodes of his a listen. I mm-hmm. listened to the first and second so far, but I listened to some more. Yeah, but there's there's some good new podcasts coming out, and there's some good existing podcasts coming out. So, um, you know, I think I love a way to highlight all of them would be really, really cool. Um, so, and uh, if you want to support the show, the best thing you could do is just tell people about it. Um, tell your friends. Post I just about had it. an idea for an episode. Oh. We'll talk about it after. Okay, okay. Um, you can share it. Share it on your social media feeds, or email your your family. Tell your dad. Uh, <laughs> dad. <laughs> um, so that that's or you can hit the subscribe button. That's a good way to do it too. Or you can go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Rhythm and Pixels. And there you get access to a monthly live stream. There are some cool prequel episodes that are available there, and you get some cool stuff like stickers and mugs and T-shirts. And we like to thank all of our Patreon members at the highest levels at the end of every episode. But first, we have two new Patreon members we want to th- we want to thank. We want to thank uh, Derf Mode. Thank you, thank you very much. And then also a brand new Patreon member, Brooke. Brooke, thank you. Thank you very much, Brooke. And welcome to the fold. She is a wacky individual. Good person. Good person. That's good. You chatted with her on another podcast, right? Yeah. So on the SML podcast that Pernell does game reviews for, uh, I guess she did like a round table. No, no. She she actually comes on. She does reviews too. She does reviews too. I love that. Awesome. So check that out. Uh, thank you very much, Brooke. I, I do appreciate it. I just don't listen to the show. I'm sorry. I, I, I understand. <laughs> we just had a whole conversation about Pernell doesn't listen to the podcast very much. Um, so yeah. So we want to thank all of all of our members at the highest level. So I want to thank first uh, Brooke, uh, frankly, Zappa. The number one. Still don't have a name for you, but we'll call you the number one. Number one. Uh, Kristen, game fan, four four. Uh, Mike Myers, off person, Vashon eighty sixty. Alex Messenger from the podcast AVGM Journey. He, honestly, I will have to consult him for the VGMEs. Um, <laughs> Andreas Milberg, Brian Pitt, Cameron Worma, Carlos, Carl, Carlos, Carlos, Carlos. But no, <laughs> kick off your kung fu shoes. Everybody getting, everybody getting Carlos. Thank you, Carlos. Kung fu Carlito. Car- <laughs> Carlos, I know your name, man. Um, from the the Heroes Three podcast, who recently did an episode on Bruce Lee in video games. So check that out. It's very cool. I want to thank Chris Steenerson, Chris Wisner, aka Musashi Two One Nine, the Wise Guy, Christopher Sendstrom, Davy Cakes, David Taylor, Harold Howard, um, Jeff. Jeff, Jeff, all the Jeffs. Uh, try Jeff. Try Jeff. Uh, Justin Schneider from XVGM Radio, another fantastic podcast. 
Uh, check out their next episode coming out. I think it's on April 1st. It's April Fool's Day. April Fool's Day. Uh, Dr. Michael Bridgewater from the Forever Sound version. Michael Jennings, Rage Cage of the VGM Porium. <laughs> we should do that from now on. <laughs> uh, Reinhardt Selkova, Romancing Sagat, Sleepy S'more, Steve Miller, Taco, and Ed Wilson from the VG Embassy. Embassy. Thank you so much, all of you, and many more for your continued support of our little podcast. We, we humbly, greatly appreciate you. Super have no idea. It. Yeah, it means so much to us. It means that we can invest more into the show for like the website for hosting for cameras for the live stream microphones that don't squeak all the time. It's fantastic. And honestly, it's, it sounds dumb, but it it's like a weird way of just flat out being like, these people like our show. Like, yeah. and it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work going into this thing. So uh, it's all very much appreciated and it makes, it encourages us to keep doing more and to keep doing better. So um, thank you all very, very much. Uh, our next week's show is our live stream show. The, the four F's. <laughs> French uh, four cubed or F cubed. Yeah, friendship fasteners <laughs> no. or friendship fishers. Friendship the friendship foundations, foundations and friendship foundations. fishers. Okay, cool, cool. We'll have some fun stories just between probably just between the two of us just riffing that whole time. It's gonna be a good time. Uh, hopefully, I'm gonna have some time. I'm gonna come up with some cool quizzes and games that we're gonna play during the show. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Check us out then. Until next time, I'll see you. My name is Rob Nichols and I'm Pernell. Have a great week and remember. So, this obviously this episode's theme was around the Ukraine and the plight that those individuals are unfortunately having to endure at the hands of you know a jerkbag leader. Now, unfortunately, I feel people in general, not necessarily just Americans, but people in general, typically have a penchant for wanting to have an us versus them mentality, being, hey, these are the good guys and these are the bad guys, but. Unfortunately, it's not always that simple. Our countries are run by rulers, or not rulers, they're run by leaders. And leaders ultimately are elected to make the decisions on the behalf of the rest of the country. So what ends up happening there, of course, is that those leaders might decide to do a thing that has an extremely negative impact on another group of people. So, and of course, dude, I think bring up things like propaganda and whatever that's being funneled through people's ears. But the important part is to make it known that you don't want to vilify an entire group of people because of the actions of their leaders. Some of those, many of the citizens aren't down for the action. They don't support this, but they don't have a choice. <laughs> They're living it. They're yeah. just, they live in the country. So even though, you know, everyone's, different countries are taking measures against the country of Russia, per se, that doesn't mean that while those actions do make sense given the nature of how to deal with international relations, it does not mean that the actual people that live there are particularly villains. They're just stuck there too. They just live in that country. So at the end of the day, don't vilify entire groups of people because of the actions of their leaders. Individuals are individuals. And if a good person is a good person who just happens to be stuck in a bad situation, give them credit for who they actually are as a person. And that goes for in our country, too. Russians live here. Russians have businesses. Russians are technically also Americans. And they do not deserve to be vilified by the actions of their jerkbag leaders. Just simple as that. Um, be good to people. Because we have enough jerks living out there mucking it up for the rest mm. of us. 